Hi everyone, this is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am so honored tonight to have my beautiful guest, Mary Beth Gronick. Welcome, Mary Beth. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mary Beth is the CEO and founder of A Good and Spacious Land, where she writes about personal growth, relationships, and influence. Mary Beth coaches her clients on how to increase their joy, deepen their relationships, and grow their influence. And I have to say, Mary Beth, um, I found you through medium.com. Your writing is incredible. And almost everything that you, not almost every, everything that you write, I either go, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Or I get teary eyed like, oh my gosh, you just touched my heart and soul so deeply. <laughs> so I'm so happy oh that God. you agreed to come on. Thank you so much for being here with oh, me. I, you know, Don, I am so happy to be here and I am so pleased that you found my work on medium and I'm I'm very curious which like which article most recently stuck out to you the fascinated and fascinating mm, the interest one okay mm-hmm. yeah. yeah because that was something that my uh, ex and I struggled with he would never really ask me about me And he would say, well, if it's important to you, you'll just tell me. And I say, if you're interested in me, then you'll ask me. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. Like I, so I was a bit of a late bloomer. Uh, That's probably something that's going to be one of my next upcoming pieces. So I didn't start dating until I was uh, in my later Uh, Mm twenties. I had a lot of like health things that were going on when I was younger Mm -hmm. and then when it became a certain point, you get to a certain age and you're like, I haven't dated yet. It feels like it's too late. Right. Um, I I still haven't dated yet. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) You were married. I haven't dated yet. How did that even happen? (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Um, but yes, so I, yes, so I was a bit of a late bloomer. Right. But I was, I'm always very observant. So one of the things I, I learned by observing, right. And I would see patterns in my life of couples who have been together a really long time and were just still so taken with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And you you could tell like the romance was still there. The interest was still there. The connection was still there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, my gosh, like they just love each other. They they Mm -hmm. can't get enough of each other and they've been together so long. And then you see another scenario where they've been together forever, but they bicker all the time. They don't seem like they enjoy each other's company. And- I wonder, I'm like, how, how could a similar situation, you know, decades in a relationship produce totally different outcomes, yeah. right? And this, this question was just mulling over in my mind over and over again, because again, you know, I do want to find a life partner. I want to find someone that I can spend the rest of my life with, right? But I'm picky. <laughs> I'm a little choosy. Like, I love my life. I love where I am right now. And I would only add something that um, is going to be equally wonderful, right? It's, it's so adding, I, I want the first, adding value to your life. Right, right. And the yeah. first scenario, like I want the first scenario. Um, and so I'm, I've always been a processor. So I've been thinking through, you know, what is it? What is it about that first scenario? What is it that those couples are doing, right? Um, and I have a wide circle of friends and acquaintances and things like that. So I've, I've been in this observing mode. And the two pieces that I found that fuel that fire and fuel that attraction for, you know, for decades is that the woman, I can't speak for men because I'm not a man, but the woman in the relationship, um, she feels that the man is fascinated with her. Right. Mm -hmm. And the man himself, he is fascinating. Like he's a person that is exciting and interesting. Right. And so in that article, I break down what each of those mean and, and then I've reflected on it in my own dating life, right? How I've been dating. And, and what are the things when, even in the initial stages, when a guy shows interest and then I lose interest, why am I losing interest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you, and you hear this a lot, like he sounds great on paper, right? The right. guy I'm dating, or like he sounds great on a checklist. He has X, Y, Z. And then you date them and you're like, huh, okay, well, I'm not really interested. Right. So what is it? And I kind of unpack that in the article, you know, it's, it's so many things, but 
what it comes down to is uh, a man who pursues a woman, right? Who shows genuine interest and, and he's not afraid to communicate it and he's not afraid to, to go there, right. And to pursue her and, or to pursue me, right. That's the one thing that is very important with me for me. Um, and I talk about that in the article, like you need to have both though, because we've all been in situations where, you know, you do have someone who's pursuing you, right. You have someone who's interested, but they don't have much going on in their life, right. They, yeah. they don't got a lot going on and that's a turn off. So you, yeah. so that this was kind of a revelation for me. You do need both. You need, uh, you know, a partner who is fascinated with you, but also who's fascinating themselves, who have, they have their own life going on, right? They have their own goals, they have their own uh, passions and pursuits, and they're external to you in a good way. Uh, and I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot in relationships is that you want the closeness, right? You want the intimacy, but you also want someone who can be independent, right? Uh, because that that kind of pulls you in, especially if you're more on the feminine side, right? If you have that feminine energy, like you like a man who's that, who's that like independent, he's grounded, he's stable. And that, at least for me, that's what draws me. That's what draws me in. So, well, and, yeah. and I, th- I think too, because, you know, there, there's this concept of, you know, two halves make a whole in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think, no, yeah. two holes make infinite yeah. infinity one plus one equals oh, infinity because you have infinite that. possibilities if you're showing up as your full authentic self and the other person is doing the same yeah. then you have unlimited possibilities because you because there is always this dynamic of wanting freedom and adventure versus wanting some safety yeah. and security you know so it's how do you navigate yeah. those things when you're with a partner you know, I love that analogy and it reminds me of, I've actually never said this to anyone or even maybe I should write this in an article too. But when I think about love and when I think about a partnership, you know what comes to mind? The movie Aladdin. I think about the song, A Whole New World. Like, think about it. Mm. He has this world that he's showing her, right? right? He's like welcoming her into his world. And then on the flip side, she's welcoming him into her world, right? There's the scenes at the palace where he's getting to know like her family. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's two separate people with their separate world. And they come together and they're like, look, I want to show you my world. And let's let's build a world together based on what we have. Right? Because if because if you think, you know, these two worlds it's not the sum of their parts, you know, it's like you're creating something so new and expansive and beautiful because you're showing up with all that you are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and when you bring that, that level of awareness and interest, what's awesome about it is it, it kind of cuts out the games early on. Like if you show up in that way, right you can see really quickly and other person can see really quickly if they're, if they're going to be able to match that. Right. Um, and it really gives you a lot of heart, heartbreak in the long run. Um, so yeah, I would totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I often think, you know, all of the games, but because I did this dating app last year, which is ridiculous, <laughs> Yeah. but, but yeah. so many, so many people are so fake or shallow and I just have no, I just have no patience for that. You know, like I, I want depth. I want meaning. I want like interest, yeah. you know, because, because I feel like yeah. our whole lives, we're just discovering more parts of ourselves so that even when yeah. you're with a partner yeah. for a long part, a long time, you know, that that if they continue to discover more things about themselves, then they stay interesting as well. Right. And I have a theory about this, Don. My, my theory is that everyone wants that, that mm-hmm. everybody does want that, but they don't know how to do it. Like they don't know how to go about it. Um, so they're, they're operating off of a script of if I play games, right. Or if I do X, Y, Z, then I'll get what I want. I'll only get what I want if I'm distant and I'm cold. Right. Uh Like I feel like it's, and this is something that I've been learning a lot about recently is 
in growing up, there are scripts that have been given to us, right? Not just by our parents, but by society, society. about how we need to act right. in certain situations, mm-hmm. right? We have, how we need to pursue a goal or pursue a relationship. Like there are these scripts that are given to us and more often than not, we don't even analyze them to, to see if they are serving us, right? Is this the right script I should be playing? Right. Um, and I think so many people want depth and they want, they want someone to show up real with, right? I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, but people don't know how to get there, right? And they don't know how to cut past the BS and they don't know how to be vulnerable sometimes and just say like, put it all on the line. Like, this is what I want. And and then to be okay with the result, right? Like there's a lot of talk about vulnerability right now and that's good. Like let's be vulnerable. But what happens when it's not received well? Like how do you respond? And that's something too that I've been coming to grips with is like, is when you, when someone doesn't respond in a reciprocal way, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Right. Or it doesn't mean that I'm not, that I'm a bad person. It's just right, exactly. that we're not right for each other. And so often we get in this place where we experience rejection, right? Or we experience something similar to rejection and we carry it. We, we put it in our knapsack and we bring it to our next encounter with dating. And we see that person in front of us through the lens of the person who just rejected us, right? Mm-hmm. And it prevents us from actually engaging with the new person. And maybe the new person is the one who's going to be incredible, incredible for us, but we're not we're not seeing them clearly. You see what I mean? Well, I, I think too, a lot of people are, they, they might want depth and vulnerability, mm-hmm. but they are, they are afraid to express that themselves because of that fear of rejection or fear of being judged. And, yeah. you know, this is, this is one of the things that I'm trying to do with this podcast is to say, you know what, we all struggle with this. You know, we, yeah. we, we all are afraid <laughs> So let's just, instead of pretending that we're not, let's just admit that we are. And, you know, and so even even if you're with somebody, you can say, you know what, I'm sort of scared to tell you this, but I want to share this part of you, part of me, because I want you to understand me more. I want you to see me more of, you know, exactly who I am. Mm Mm-hmm. And whether, yeah. whether or not you're well-received, that's not the point. You know, I mean, ultimately it's the point yeah. if you want to find a partner, but it's just like to sh- yeah. share who you are and to just have that sense of connection for the moment. I feel like that's what, yeah. that's what everybody's yeah. reaching for, that, that chance to be seen and heard, whether or not they're really understood, but to be seen and heard and just um, acknowledge to know. Didn't didn't you say that they want to be known? Yes. Yeah. People, when we share things, we want to be known. That's that's really what it is. And that that was actually one of, one of my other articles. It was yeah. um, the article was please stop giving unsolicited advice. And right. it's always bugged me when I'll come into a situation and I share something, and people will give this list of of things that I can do to fix it. Right. And it always, it rubbed me the wrong way, but when you're on the, when you're on the other side of it, when someone's presenting an issue or a problem or something that they're going through, that is the knee jerk response. Like you think, okay, how can I help fix this person? Right. How can I help right. them? Because we want to help. Right. It comes from a good place. Right. But what we don't realize is when we're sharing something, when I'm sharing something that is hurtful or hard, what I really want is just to be seen in that moment, like to be seen for the blunder, right. To be seen for for the pain or whatever it is. And just to be seen in that space. And, mm-hmm. and that's enough for me, right. Mm-hmm. For someone to see me in that space. Um, and advice is great, but it has to start, it has to come after, right. It has to come after being seen. Um, right. So yeah. And it was funny. You mentioned, you brought up that article because I thought that line was the most unimpressive line in the whole article, but it was the one that was highlighted the most. <laughs> People don't want to be fixed. They want to be known, you know? Uh, and and that's actually what prompted another one of mine is what we really want in relationships where I talk about, you know, what is it that we, that we want at the root of every relationship that we, that we pursue. But it's funny. It's funny how, when you, when you talk through things and when you write things, and I don't know if you're a writer, John, um, but when you write things, you have a perception of how they'll be perceived. 
-hmm. but you have no idea. Uh, and that's the thing about creating anything is you, you create it and you put it out there and you no longer have control over it. Right. Yeah. It's like you, you give, you give it to the world and you release it and, and, and people decide how they interpret it and, and whatnot. But it's also the beautiful thing because if you produce something that you're proud of and that, you know, will change people's lives, you know, you'll, you'll have people reach out and say that. Um, I had so, I had such good feedback on the first article we were talking about and it was crazy. It was really crazy to see how people were, were responding to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. How, how did, how did you start writing about all of this stuff? I mean, that, that fascinated me because I, because I know you're still kind of young, yeah. but you, yeah. you, you have this, you have this wisdom about you. That's really amazing. Yeah. Well, I look a lot younger than I am. I'm 30. I just turned 30. So uh, I am in my 30s. But um, yeah, I've always been a writer and I've always just written for myself. Mm -hmm. And I just started my blog and writing on Medium earlier this year. So it's been less than a year. And it was because of my roommate at the time. I was writing one night and she said, hey, what are you writing? Or what are you working on? I said, I'm, I'm writing something. And she said, read it to me. And I started reading it to her and she started crying. She's like, people need to, people need to hear this. Like, wow. What do you mean people? She's like you need to start a blog. And she is one of those people who she has the gift of like, she can just speak over your life. Something she can speak into being things that aren't it's, it's crazy. And so she's like, you need to start a blog. Like people need to hear this. You're going to change people's lives. And, and I'm just sitting there on the couch, like receiving all of it. Right. And I'm like, okay, You're like, like, are you, are you crazy? And, so, and she had, yeah, are you crazy? But What's interesting is for a while I had contemplated doing writing. Like I actually, I'm working on a book right now and I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to, to, to write a book. Uh -huh. And when she told me this, when she kind of spoke over my life in this way, I said, but I'm scared. Like I, it was, it was this really vulnerable moment of like, yeah. I realized what she was saying was good. And it was something that I wanted to, like there was alignment there, but there was also fear. And said, what are you, what are you afraid of? And I said, wow. well, what if nobody reads it? What if nobody reads it? And she said, and she's a chiropractor. So she has this lens of like healing and health, but she said, if one person reads it and it changes their life, it'll be worth it. Mm -hmm. One person. Mm -hmm. uh, and I couldn't argue with that logically. So, uh, I thought about it and I said, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, the only thing that's holding me back is my own ego, my own, uh, perception that when I put something out there, it has to be incredible. It has to be well received immediately. Like I have to, you know, get all the glory for it. Cause I know when you start anything new, it's, you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to get the visibility that you want, at least right. initially. Right. Right. Uh, so it really was ego. It was fear and it was ego that was preventing me from, um, from really starting. So, but having that conversation with, with her really pushed me to start. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I would encourage anyone who's listening. If you have a heart to produce content, any form, whether it's writing anything, if you have a heart for doing something, I would encourage you to pursue it, but you've got to have two things first. And these are the two things that I learned the hard way, but you got to have them. Otherwise you're not going to succeed. And the first is you have to actually believe that what you're producing is good. You have to actually believe deep down in your core that it's good content. It's going to add value to people's lives. And the reason why you need to believe that is because the second point is you have to be willing to eat dirt for a really long time. Like yeah. when you start off on your own, you're going to produce good stuff. No one's going to see it for a while. <laughs> like nobody or no worse. They're going to see it. No, and say, no, no, nobody's, nobody's going to be listening to this, Mary Beth. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they're going to see it and say nothing. The people who you went to grade school with, the pe they're going to see it and say nothing. And yeah. It hurts. It really hurts. But that's why you need the first. That's why you need the first to say, okay, yeah. okay, this is good. I believe in my core. This is valuable because if you don't have both, you're going to quit. You're going to quit before you get any sort of disability. Yeah. You, you, you have, you have to really think about the why of what you're doing, what you're doing. Yeah. And, and I think too, yeah. 
anything creative that you do, because I'm a dancer, I've danced my whole life. <clears throat> and well, classical ballet first, and then jazz, and then contemporary hip hop, I learned how to tap. I just uh, studied tango for the last five years. And I'm back to hip hop now. Um, and I don't, I don't do it because of how others will receive it. I do it because it's right. my creative expression. It's the way to share with mm -hmm. the world who I am. Doesn't really matter whether yeah. other people give me accolades or not. I mean, it's nice when people say, oh, wow, you're pretty good, you know, or whatever. But it's just like, I just do it because I love it so much. You know, probably yeah. like you, you just love to write. I love it. I love it. And that's the way I process things. So a lot of people, so I'm an introvert. Most people who meet me find that hard to believe, but extroverts, they process by, by, by talking, by interacting, right? right. Introverts, we process by thinking and writing things. So that's how I process my life experiences by writing uh -huh. and, uh, and yeah, so yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you've only just started this blog this year. Yes. On yes. Medium. And you already yeah. have what, like 15,000 followers or something? I forget. Oh my gosh. So before, okay, before the article that you were mentioning, the uh, why people lose it. So if you're, if you are on Medium, it's called why women lose interest. Uh -huh. And before that one came out, I only had 200 followers and now I have over 2000. Wow. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And then I have a lot, and then I have a lot of people who through me yeah, on my blog, they subscribe to my blog too. So yeah, yeah it's, it's really crazy. It's really, really crazy. You know? you'll, you'll, but, get, but you'll get more. Cool. You'll get yeah. more. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that was the thing about, um, I think when, like you said, when you start something, it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but you just do it because you're drawn to do it, you know, because you're called to do it, you're mm -hmm. called to share. And then however mm -hmm. it unfolds, you just have to be open yeah. to however it unfolds, you know? So, so maybe your life a year from now will be completely different than what it is yeah. right now. Yeah. And so yeah. you just say, bring that. it on. I love that. And it's, 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 I call it the open hand philosophy in life. Like we have ideas about where we want to go, mm -hmm. which is great. But oftentimes too often we'll go through life with clenched fists, right? We're like, this is what I want. This is what I want. Uh -huh. And then we, and when an opportunity comes to the right of us, our hand is closed. We can't actually take it, right? Uh -huh. Our hand is closed. But to have an idea, I love how you put that. Like just, I'm ready for it, right? Like to have an idea to be walking towards something, but with open hands so that yeah. if you see another direction, that makes more sense to adjust. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. Well, and, and I, and plus that, that comes for me, that's part of that infinite possibilities that in my small mind, I can only see ABC, <laughs> you know, but there yes. are so many other things that could happen, but you do have to remain open. Yeah. Open like, okay, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive. I'm giving and you know, and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And that's often the thing we forget. Like we're really good givers uh -huh. just in life in general. But kind, sometimes we're not great receivers, right? When something good comes our way, we take it, but we feel guilty about it, or we just we just don't receive it well. And that's something that I've been learning about a lot lately is to be a good receiver, right? To to receive things well, whether it's a compliment, whether it's a gift, right? Whether it's um, some sort of like financial blessing, right? Just to receive. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's cool. It's something that I've been learning. Mm -hmm. Just learn to say thank you. Yeah. I'm going to, right. I'm going to turn the light on because it got dark all of a sudden over here. <laughs> no, I was like, where did, where did your bedroom go? All right. That's probably a little better. There we go. There we go. I'm back. Go. Now I can see you. Okay, so now you can, I, it's it's very obvious both from your writing and some of the pictures that I've seen. You're super super close with your mom. I don't know about the rest mm. of your family, but can you talk to me about your family and how you became oh the gosh. woman that you are? Oh my gosh, I could talk about my mom the rest of this podcast. So you'll have to cut me off. But um, 
my mom is one of my favorite people. Yeah. She, uh, her family came here. Uh, they immigrated here from Italy when she was like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and she's the oldest and she's just one of the strongest people I know. So she literally, she, when she was in school, like they would, her and her siblings each would take a, would not go to school one day of the week to assist, to go with my grandpa on job interviews when they first got here. Cause they were wow. helping, trying to help. Like, it's crazy to think about it and to help interpret cause they learned English in school. Right. But he, the parents, they didn't, my grandpa, right. didn't, or they were learning, but it was slower. And so my, here, my mom is like, just this young girl, I can't even, I'm putting my mind in the, in the place of the employer and thinking, what, what were they like? How did they take this in? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she ended up, she translated for him during the interview and he ended up getting a job working for the city of Chicago as a, like a cement worker. Right. And it was a great job, right. For the, for the family in terms of compensation and benefits, it really got them to a place of stability, which was, mm-hmm. which was great. Uh, but she's just one of those people, my mom, the best word I can use to describe her, she's resilient. She's resilient, but she's not callous. A lot of the times when you go, when people go through hard things, they develop this kind of like bristly edge about them where they're not approachable. They're not sweet, you know, but she, I don't know how she did it, but she's both. She's strong, but she's also really sweet. And, um, so many I learned so many life lessons just from her example. Like we grew up, we grew up pretty, pretty poor. My, my mom married my dad. He actually had a wife from a previous marriage. Mm -hmm. They had five girls. Wow. And then he married my mom and had my sister Ashley. So we're a family of seven girls, believe it or not. I'm the youngest. Is that, that's, that's Ashley? Is that Ashley Smashley? That's Ashley. Yes, Ashley's <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Ashley's the one who's closest to me in age. Yeah, that's Ashley. She's all over everything in my life. So, yeah, she's great. And, but yeah, so we, we were pretty like middle class, lower middle class growing up. We didn't have a whole lot. But one of the things I'm really grateful that she did is we had a TV in the house, but we didn't watch it. Like, we didn't watch it that much. So growing up, all we would do is we would go to the library. Literally, we would go to the library almost every day. And I have memories of taking out books. And I don't know if they still do this now, but back when I was younger, they had a threshold of how many books you could take out at a time. Do you remember this, Don? Where they were like, you can only take out so many books. Yeah, yeah. And so I would remember, I would strategically try to sneak in like one or two extra and see if they could catch it. I, I remember being little and I would pick the books up, put them on the shelf and like look up at the, at the woman who's checking them out and see if she would let me get away with one extra. Cause I was such a reader. I would love to read. Um, because to me, reading is you, it's like traveling without having your house, right? Yeah. You, you can be transported into these other lands, these other worlds, and you can learn so much from people. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I love history too. And biographies is because you can learn so much from other people's experiences without having to leave your couch. Right. Right. So one thing that she instilled in me was just a love of the written word and a love of reading. And it's one of the things that I treasure the most. And it's one of the things that I think got me the furthest where I am right now, just having that sort of a background, uh, having like that literary background really has helped me in my life. But yeah, I could talk about my mom all day and we're still, we're still very, very close. Um, yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I I have a relationship like that with my mom too. Like I, you know, no matter, no matter what, like my mom has my back. Well, my dad too. Um, but yeah. It's yeah. really, really beautiful when you, when you can have that with your mom. I mean, I, I have a yeah. lot of friends yeah. who have, who have bad relationships with their mom and I feel so badly for them because, you know, my mom and, and, and my dad too, but my mom is my rock mm. and I, and yeah. I, I have a 16 year old daughter and so I want to be that for her too, you know, to just have somebody oh who will God. always, it will always make you feel held and sort of safe and secure, yeah. you know? 
that no matter yeah. what hard times you're dealing with, that you will always be mm -hmm. supported. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you, what you touched on is important, just the feeling of security. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we gather from any healthy relationship that we're in, you know, yeah. obviously mother daughter relationship, but even when it comes to dating or friendship, just if you can be with someone who the way they treat you, the way they support you makes you feel safe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I and mean, that's such a, it's so beautiful. It's so be beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's great. So I, yeah, I would say that about any relationship, being able to feel safe in a relationship mm -hmm. is, is, is amazing. Well, and I, and I think too, because that was the one, the one thing that I really struggled with in, in my marriage um, that I didn't really feel safe showing up as, you know, like mm -hmm. I could, I couldn't really express myself because I'd always be cut off or I'd be told I was wrong or, you know, whatever. And, um, and for my, and for my kids too, it's like physically, yes, physically we were safe, but emotionally being able to emotionally express ourselves, you know, if you, yeah. you have to be able to do that for yourself, you have to feel safe within yes. yourself <clears throat> in order to be able to provide that safe container for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to be able to not let what they're going through. Like you want to be there for them and empathize, but you can't let it creep over into you. Right. Cause then you can't be a safe place for them. Right. right. Then, then any negative emotion from anywhere shifts you and it moves. Um, yeah. I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about being kind of being two separate people yeah. that when they come together, it's pretty beautiful, but yeah. yeah. I, I also want to know, yeah. because I know that you've, you've talked in some of your articles about your health yeah. struggles and I wanted to know what you've learned yeah. or, you know, like how you overcame them or how you still struggle with them. And, you know, because you seem to have such a great attitude and, you know, your, your just your, your own resilience, you know, you said your mom was very resilient, yeah. but you seem to have your own resilience. And so can you, can you talk about that? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, when my sister and I were younger, we, we were at a, we were at a restaurant and we got really bad, really bad food poisoning, like parasites, pretty bad. Uh -huh. um, so it really ravaged our gut and our intestines. And I mean, we obviously got sick at, the, at that moment, but we saw a lot of residual issues that came down the road, like 10 years later when we were in our adolescence, just a lot of like GI things, um, a lot of just inflammation in our body. And we couldn't figure out how to get a handle on it. Like we knew it stemmed from that issue, but how do you fix it? So we went to tons of doctors and for me, it would really manifest in like really bad sinus pain. So if you've ever had a sinus infection, it felt like that every single day of my life, every single day. And when you're in that space, you have such little limited energy, right? To do anything. So, and I was young, right? I was in, I was, you know, still in school and like, so you have to focus on what, what am I going to focus on? And I knew coming from an immigrant family, it was very much like education, education, like needing to get a good job, like all that. So I really poured myself into school and that was my thing. Like that was my, the one area that I really poured myself into. Um, and I was also on the shyer side too. So that didn't help at all. <laughs> so that's why like, like I'm looking back, I'm like, how did I get through high school and even college just without like, I mean, I had friendships, but I didn't date, you know? Um, but again, it's like, it's your level of energy. Like, what can you, what can you tolerate? Right. Yeah. And then I ended up moving out to Phoenix for my first job and the issues got exacerbated there. I just tenfold. And mm. I was at this place where I would come home every day from work and I would just sob like into, mm. I would lean over, I'd be in my bedroom, there was carpet and I would just lean over and just sob into the, into the couch every Aww. single day or not to the couch, into the carpet. Um, because I, I was, my family was here, here in Chicago. I was out there and, but I couldn't stop. Like what are, what were my options? I couldn't quit my job. That was, that was what was paying the bills. Right. Like what were, what were my options? The only option I had was to keep going. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and what's interesting is when you're in that place where you are so 
in so much pain, physical pain, all the other bullshit disappears. Like mm. any grudges you held against people, any, anything that takes any more of your energy mm -hmm. has to leave. It has to. Mm -hmm. So in that space, I was able to let go of a lot of stuff, a lot of hurt that I had carried because it didn't matter anymore. The only thing that mattered for me was getting better, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think you talk about resilience, like that time for me, it was, it was hell, but I, being on the other side of it now, I wouldn't undo it because of what it taught me. Like it taught me that no matter what you have going on, like you wake up in the morning and you keep going, like, doesn't mean you pretend that you're okay, but it means you keep going. Right. And you, and you decide how you want to interpret this. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I moved back here to Chicago because I thought for, I thought maybe being out there being like the new allergies and stuff, maybe that's what was making it worse. Uh -huh. but I moved back to Chicago. It didn't get, it didn't get better. So that was crushing of hope. And that's another thing too. And you know, whoever was listening to the podcast, if you're going through some sort of physical pain, the one thing that was probably the most hurtful thing that I would hear is people would tell me it's going to get better. Like just wait, mm -hmm. it's going to get better. And that was so painful in the moment because the one thing you need is hope that it'll get better. But it's also the thing that's the most painful because to hope for something and then every day to wake up and for it not to be different, yeah. that, that hurts. That shit hurts. Yeah. And, and like, Oh gosh. So, through that whole process, I, I learned a lot about how to hold space and be present for people who are in pain. It, it might not be physical pain. It may be relational pain or emotional pain, mm -hmm. but through that like crucible, I learned what to do and what not to do. And, and I think that where, that's where my idea of presence really comes from is what most people just want in any situation when they're struggling is just someone to sit there and listen. Like, and we often feel like we, we, we don't have anything to bring to the table. I mean, if you think about things that people have gone through, people have gone through crazy stuff. And, yeah. and the tendency is to avoid them because we know we don't have what it takes to actually bring healing, right? Or we, you know, we're like, I, there's no way I can fix the situation. There's absolutely no way. And that's true. You probably can't. Um, but what you can do is just sit and listen and just be there for the person. Right. And offer them a distraction. <laughs> this is one thing that people don't realize for someone who's suffering, they're in their head so much. They're feeling pain. They're thinking about their pain. So to just show up and say, we're going for a walk, like we're walking around the block and just mm -hmm. to take command of the conversation and to, and to be the one who's has who who owns the conversation and be the one who talks and you don't even have to ask them about their pain, but just own the conversation and talk about your own stuff, right? That is a breath of fresh air for someone who's mm. suffering because they, for a moment, they cannot think about their pain and right. they can focus on something else. And it's, it's a glass of water in the desert. Um, so that I learned so much through that. And that's why I say I wouldn't undo it. It was terrible, but I wouldn't undo it. And um, so a few years ago, um, my sister and I, we were trying all different things and we decided to start to eliminate, uh, we were reading a lot of books about like the gut and the intestines and like how the food we eat can impact that. So we decided to eliminate um, gluten and dairy and that made us feel so much better, so much better. Really? Um, because mm. as, as a result of what happened to us, like we just were very prone to anything that would produce inflammation. And so it's not that we're allergic to either of those things, but I don't know. We, we cut them out and Dawn, I got my life back. Like I finally wow. felt better for the first time I've, you know, and, and it was like a new beginning for me, you know, being, wow. being in my mid to later twenties. And, and I think that's what, that's what anyone who's gotten a second chance it gives you this new zest for life and it gives you this new sense of now I really need to do something with what I have. Now I really need to 
like every day is precious, but my life matters and I'm going to do something with it. That's going to be beautiful and be amazing. So, um, I think, yeah. I think that healthy people often take their health for granted. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so yeah. when you, so when you have health issues, you know, when, yeah. when you get to the other side or, or find some relief, it's like, yeah. thank God goddess for, you know, for oh this, like, I'm so grateful for whatever you're grateful mm-hmm. for. Right. Oh my gosh. And before this Dawn, I was that person who would see people talk about their health issues. And I would, in my mind, it'd be like, just go to a doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. And looking back, it just, it, like, I literally want to throw up when I think about my reaction to that. And Mm -hmm. that's a message for everyone. Beware. Anything that you're really arrogant about, you will be subjected to it. Trust me. Okay. So this was the, this is like the way for me to tear that down, right? Is to have me go through it and realize it's not as simple as just find a doctor. Right. right. You find doctors and they have no idea what's wrong with you. Right. They have right. no idea. How to do it. Right. And then what? Do you do? So again, it, g- it gave me a lot of compassion too, for people who are suffering, not just physically, but in any, in any space, because it's not a, things aren't a quick fix. You know, if they were the person who's suffering would have figured it out already. Right. They're, they're in pain. They're going to figure out a way to get out of it. You know? Right. Um, I know. I know. I'm, I'm always like, Oh, well here, let me just wave my magic wand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it, and it does. I think that any struggle that you go with, go through in your life helps bring you compassion for yourself oh my gosh. so that you can extend that compassion to other people. Oh my gosh. Yes. And Don, and it starts, it starts with ourselves, right? Yep. Uh, I always remember that when I, when I'm dealing with people who are really critical, mm-hmm. just in general, and it makes me think like they gosh, the things I say about me, but times that by 10, that's how they feel about themselves. You know, mm-hmm. it comes from internally, right? Like so much of how we treat people is a projection of how we see ourselves. Yeah. And, and even in that moment, you know, when someone's really critical, you, it gives you some compassion, right? Um, yeah. Well, and, and I think too, a lot of times we're the most critical with ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I, I feel like we really need to develop this compassion for ourselves because for instance, you know, your sister or your mom would never say horrible things to you, right? (laughs) They would never say horrible things to you. The kind of things that you may have said to yourself. So it's yeah, like yeah. trying to trying to figure out how to be that best friend or that loving mom or that, you know, wonderful friend or colleague who's always cheering you on, you know, to to yeah. help you see yourself through well, for for me it's through through the eyes of the divine. You know, it's like yeah. how how the perfect parent would look at you and, you know, as, as a small child and hold you as a baby and go, Oh my gosh, you're the most beautiful, you know, thing in the world. And it's like, if we can just give ourselves that gift, then we could probably get through a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I firmly believe that the lies we tell ourselves are one of our greatest points of suffering. hands down. Because we, my gosh, if someone followed you for a day, and listen to the way you talked about yourself and like said it out loud, people would be shocked. You know, they'd say like, stop abusing that person. Right. Embarrassed. And embarrassed. Right. Um, so yeah, it's this concept of how do we, how do we talk to ourselves? Right. And, um, what do we think about ourselves? How do we view ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I, that I do, this is one of my life hacks that I'll share with you, but I actually have a picture of myself when I was little, when I was like five years old uh-huh. and I have it. Um, I have like a collage to the, well, you can't see it now because, but it's on the left side of my bed of pictures and things like that. And whenever I look at it, I tell myself like, what am I, what do I have to do today to give this little girl her best shot? Mm-hmm. Because I am that little girl grown up. Right. Yeah. 
And oftentimes it's, it really is how I treat myself and having that weird sort of dialogue with the picture. <laughs> um, it helps me. It really helps me because it's like, yes, we are, we adults are grown up versions of the little people that we once were. Right. Yeah. And if we can see ourselves as you know, that like young, fresh, enthusiastic, like infinite possibilities. Right. Right. We're going to treat ourselves so much more compassionately. Yeah. Right. Like when, a, when you see a little kid in the grocery store and they like, they're running and they fall down, you don't mock them. You right. think it's adorable, right? You're right. like, Oh my gosh. And like you help them back up. And, right. um, so what if we treated ourselves that way? Right. Yeah. Like why do we get so upset when we ourselves fall down? We right. would never treat a child that way. Um, right. so that's one of my things that I, that I try to do pretty regularly is like, what, what, what does it take? What would it take today to give that little girl her best shot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I often say too, like, what would I tell my five-year-old self, you know, what would mm -hmm. I tell my five-year-old self? And then sometimes mm -hmm. it, like if I'm in the midst of stuff, I say, what would my 80 year old te self tell mm -hmm. me now? So that yeah. you, you oh know my that. Gosh. Yeah, I love it. Don. That, that's actually something I've been thinking about that I was, I'm planning on writing about at some point, but it's still mulling over. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the idea of we have to make a really tough decision. How do we decide that? Right. Um, and one of the things that I've been thinking about is picture yourself 10 years down the road picture yourself there. Look back in this moment. How would you have wanted to handle it? Mm -hmm. Right. And that has been such a guidepost for me. I started doing that recently and it has made decisions so much easier because you, you get this objectivity, right? You can step away from the situation and see it for what it is. Um, and it really helps. It really, really helps. So I love that you said that, that your 80 year old self, right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <clears throat> and the, I, I just interviewed another guy this afternoon and he's, mm -hmm. and he said, I, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but he said, mm -hmm. you know, is who I am right now congruent with who I want to be, mm. which yeah. is basically the same, you know, it's the same thing. And, yeah. and, and this is, this is like on a side note, but because you're talking about taking, you know, what can I do to give my five-year-old self my best shot? And I yeah. saw a picture of you shooting a gun. <laughs> yes. I love shooting. I so, love shooting. So what, so how do you feel about yourself? Because when you were talking about this, I was just yeah. thinking like, how do you feel about yourself when you're shooting that gun? What in the world made you do that? And uh -huh. how do you feel about yourself when you do that? Oh my gosh. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot, um, in various aspects of my life. Like what are things that are in my grasp that I haven't yet seized, right? What are these things that are open to me that I haven't yet taken advantage of? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because I'm a big believer that opportunities are literally at our doorstep and we just need the eyes to see them. Right. Yeah. And I grew up in a family, like we didn't really own guns, shoot guns, like never was part of our family, like story, right? You often hear people was like, my dad had a shotgun in the back, you know, like that was not our family. Yeah, um, yeah. But I was thinking about it and thinking about all the things I hold dear. And one of them is the freedom that we have in this country to speak freely, right? Of our first amendment. Like, I think that is one of the most important things that we have, that yeah. the freedom of speech right? to speak yeah. our mind. And I was thinking about like, what are the other ones that I'm not taking advantage of? And the second, the second amendment, the right to bear arms. I'm like, I've never gone shooting ever. Right. Like, what does that even feel like? What would that look like? <gasps> so I literally went through the process and I started, I mean, and there are a lot of rules you have to follow, right? You have to get your, at least here in Illinois, you have to get your FOID card, um, to at least handle a firearm, even at a store. Um, and then like, if you want to purchase one, you have to go through the background check. I mean, there's so many things. There's so many uh -huh. things I wasn't even aware of. Um, but I really just wanted to learn, like learn how to shoot. Right. And so I took one-on-one -on -one lessons, uh, with an instructor 
for like once a week for, for a few months. Cause I wanted to learn like properly. I wanted to learn the right way. Yeah. Um, and it, it is so empowering. It's really, really empowering. Um, because, and this is one thing too, like I'm, I'm younger, right. I'm for a lot of my life, I've lived alone. So just to have, just to know that I could defend myself if I needed to, like, that's a really empowering thing. And in my mind, I'm like 10 foot tall and I can handle the world, but I'm, I'm literally like this big. So it's, it's kind of a great equalizer for me. Right. Um, but, but actually like just the, the act of going to the range and shooting, like it's, it's a lot harder than it looks. Um, so I would recommend getting an instructor if you're starting, but I think it looks hard. I don't think it looks easy. It's hard. It's hard. And there are a lot of rules and like, there's a lot of safety things and they're really good about like teaching you them. And, um, there's a sense of openness and trust when you go to the range. It's really interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's been fun. It's been really fun. And I'm, I'm like, I'm honing my skills there. Um, now I'm just going on my own. I don't need an instructor anymore since I've learned Mm -hmm. the basics, but I do it every now and then. And it's a lot of fun. And it's really empowering for me as a woman to know that this is, this is something that now I know how to do and God forbid I ever have to use it. I hope I never have to use it, but, um, on a bad date, you're done. (laughs) Well, it's really funny. Whenever people find out, they're like, don't mess with her. I also box too. So like completely don't mess with Mary Beth. Like she will end you if if there are any issues. So Mary Beth is small, but mighty. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's so funny you say that. When I first started boxing, my instructor, he said, he looked at me and he said, you know, for such a small person, you're very strong. Like, or no, he said it the other way. He said, you're very strong for such a small person. So, so how, how do you see your life 10 years from now, Mary Beth? Oh my gosh. I is interesting I it's funny if you asked me this question like a year ago I would have had a totally different answer like uh-huh. completely different answer but since I started writing since I started doing this I see myself do this is going to sound weird no, but it's not going to sound weird at all go ahead I see myself doing the exact same thing I love my life right now like I love what I'm doing I love my work I love my blog I see myself doing the same thing, but maybe on a larger scale, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really interesting. Like I, like I said, I would have answered this totally differently a year ago before I started writing, but I'm, I'm in this place right now where I'm, I'm really living life with purpose. Like I wake up every day. And I have intent to what I do and I explore new things. I talk to new people all the time and I wouldn't change it. Like I wouldn't change what I'm doing, Um, which I guess is a good thing, right? Uh, I'm in a good place right now, but like to what you were saying before having an open hand, because if I had a set plan a year ago about where I wanted to be, I wouldn't have been open to my friend telling me, Hey, you should start a blog. Right. right. And, and for seeing that and calling that forth. So right. from where I am, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and it's really fulfilling for me, but I am going to keep an open hand about it and, and see where this could lead. Yeah. I think you'll have a huge impact with your writing and I can, well, and I can see you speaking about it as well. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. You have a lot of really amazing things to share. And if, if you don't mind, I, um, <clears throat> I printed out your How Strong Women Become Strong. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can, I, can I read a little excerpt from it? Of course you can. Of course you can. So I've read it probably, I don't know, five, six times. And every time I get tears in my eyes because it affected, it impacted me so much. And I know you sort of... Um, you sort of wrote it as a commemoration to your mom in a way. Right. And uh, I just think it's really beautiful. She, Mary Beth talks about, you know, all of these things that 
take a profile in courage. And so she, yeah. you have to read the article, but I just want to read you <clears throat> the last little part. Um, she says, cherishing scars, they remind her of what she's become. They remind her that she is a victor, a profile in courage, and then a change. It's no longer courage, but the air she breathes, settled in, like she stopped renting and finally bought real estate in her own skin. This is my home. Can I help you? Eyes open, heart full, embracing life, loving all of it, the good, the bad, it's all hers. Suddenly she stands before you, resilient, feminine, breathtaking, a legacy unfolding. Nothing is wasted. The strong woman knows that no pain is too deep, no dream too far-fetched, no encounter too unredeemable. Every experience, whether good or bad, enriches her. Yeah. Yeah. Make me I, cry. Oh my gosh, I'm crying just listening. I, so that last piece, this is something that I've been learning probably the past since I started writing, since that I wrote that piece and I've been learning since, since that moment, because I, I realized something when I wrote that and it's this, we need to own everything about us, mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. the things that hurt us, the things that scare us, the things that we wish didn't happen, but did mm-hmm. the amazing things. Like there's something so incredible about just standing in who you are and not orphaning any part of us. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that place, it's like, what, what can stop you at that point? Not a single thing. Nothing. Because you're no longer scared of the hurt or the pain. And I wrote that. I had just gone through a breakup like a few weeks before I wrote that. And I had a choice because I really, I was really in love and I had to choose how I process that. Right. And I had to make a decision. And this is the decision we all make when, when we, when we get hurt is how do I let this impact me? Like, will this define me? And so many people, it was, it was literally at a crossroads and it's so easy to do when you, when you get hurt mm-hmm. is you can either go one way of, well, forget about this, forget it. Like, I'm not going to show up anymore. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to hope for a, anything good in my life. Um, it sounds very dramatic to say out loud, but we literally do this in our mind, in our internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. And we shut down, we shut ourselves down from any, from the really good things in life, the things that we really want. Mm-hmm. Or you could take the other path of accepting it and saying, this, this is what it is. I can't change it. But I know what I still want. You know, I know I still want love. I know I still want this great job, right? I know I still want whatever it is that you got burned by. Like, mm-hmm. And it's a tragedy if you think about it, that if you take path one, you're actually foregoing the thing that you wanted in the first place. Like you're right. just giving it up. You're relinquishing. Right. right. And that is the danger of not owning everything, of not owning fully who you are and your hurts and your pains and not, and not letting them to dictate where you go. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly you listen to them. Certainly you let them teach you lessons. Um, mm-hmm. But in the end, you decide, you decide where you go mm-hmm. and you decide the story you tell yourself. And that's the other thing that I think we forget is when something happens to us that in the world standards, it would look bad or it, it doesn't feel right or whatever. Like it, we get to tell ourselves the story about how to interpret it. Right. Mm-hmm. And how, and how to move on from there. Um, because then in that moment, you're no longer the victim, right? You're no longer, right. you're determining the story and you then take back the agency and you take it where you want it to go. And that's the part where I was talking about that, that nothing is wasted. I'm a right. firm believer 
that nothing is ever wasted, no matter what you've gone through. And this is easy to see. It's hard to see in relationships, but it's easier to see in jobs. Think about it. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we've all had those like weird jobs in high school or right out of grad, college or grad school that like don't really technically apply to what we're doing now, but we learned so many things there right. that, that have applied. Right. Right. Um, like my first job, I was in high school. I was a receptionist at a music school and I was deathly afraid of answering the phone, like deathly. And I had to get over that real fast. But so now <laughs> today I am fantastic on the phone. Whenever I have to talk to someone on the phone, it's like this, the phone Mary Beth comes out and it's, it's great. And literally nothing is wasted. And we see it in our jobs, right? We can yeah. all point back to these kind of meaningless jobs that we had, but they added so much value to our current position, wherever we are. Um, but I think we need to start seeing that in terms of relationships that mm-hmm. whatever we went through, like not a single moment was wasted that we, yeah. we, we, we look at it, we reflect on it, we take what we need um, and we bring it, we bring it forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel like the story is what you're in, right? Mm-hmm. Or this, this chapter is the mess that you were just in. Yeah. And so what do I want my next chapter to read? Like, you know, yeah. A different, a different part of the story. Yeah. Like, you know, our whole life is a book. And so every, at every point where we're just writing a new chapter for ourselves. Yeah. 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 So, so Mary Beth, how, how would you, dis- how would you define what is real love? Mm. I would say that real love is when you can be completely yourself mm-hmm. when you feel safe and when you feel seen mm-hmm. when you feel like someone actually sees you mm-hmm. and they see all of you not the little compartments mm-hmm. they see all of you and they love you anyway. I think that's our deepest fear yeah. in relationships is that if I unveil who I really am, right. if I tear down the walls, like think about, I like to think about this. This is another article that I'm like in the process of writing right now. So you're getting a preview of it, but think about, you know, all, all those shows on HGTV right now where they're like redoing homes. Right. And they take this like older home that had all these rooms and they, they, they do the demo day. They pull down the walls and they do the open concept. Right. Right. I think our greatest fear is that we show up into a relationship. We have the demo day. We we bring down the walls to create this open space and that the other person looks at it and says, Oh my gosh, like this is, this isn't what I signed up for. You're too much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I can't handle you're too much. Yeah. Like Like the parts of you that you are most fearful of bringing to me, like actually when you bring that, I'm going to leave. You know, that's what we're scared of. Uh, that's what we're really scared of. So um, to me, real love, and I think this, this is more than just romantic love. This can be platonic love too with friendships, right? Like to have a friend who you can truly be yourself with yeah, can show all of you and have them look at you and actually see you, right? Mm-hmm. To sit with you and see the pain, see the good, see where you are. Um, I think that's, that's real love. And to have it reciprocated, like love has to be reciprocated. Yeah. It can't go one way. Um, it can't go one way. So when, when you feel that and then when it's reciprocated is, is true love. It's complete acceptance. Yeah. 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 Well, you are an amazing, amazing woman. You are a beautiful woman. Thank you so much. Beautiful woman. And I'm so glad that I found you. <laughs> I'm so, and we just live right down the street. Oh my gosh, we're going to be up with the coffee. Everyone else is going to be jealous because we're going to be hanging out outside of this podcast. As soon as we hang up, we're going out. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So Mary Beth, how do people find you? Okay. So you can find me on two places. So if you are on Medium, and if you don't know what Medium is, it's an online publication. Uh, So you can go to medium.com. And you can find me at my handle, which is at Mary Beth Gronick. 
M-A-R-Y-B-E-T-H-G-R-O-N-E-K. And you could find all my stories there. Also, you can find me at my blog, which is a good and spacious land.com. So either of those places you'll find me. Yeah. Great, great stuff, Mary Beth. I'm so thankful for your tell your roommate thank you. I will. I will tell her that. I know. You know, I tell her I tell her that often. So I will tell her that now you say it too. You gotta give her big credits in your next book. Oh, I should. Maybe I'll dedicate to her. Maybe. Although there's a long list of people who so maybe I just have to produce a lot more books. We'll see. <laughs> okay. So listeners, I am sure you enjoyed this conversation so much depth and meaning and insight and, you know, just great advice. <laughs> we'll say great advice <laughs> for how to show up, you know, uh, more resilient and authentic and, um, you know, just loving and accepting yourself. Mm -hmm. and and learning how to love and accept each other so mm -hmm. you're a very wise woman mary beth thank you so much thank, thank you. you thank you for coming here uh so everybody for my listeners if you liked this which you should <laughs> uh, i can't see why you wouldn't um please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast and share with all of your friends uh, if, and if you would like support in finding more connection, expansion, authenticity in your relationships, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with John. Um, feel free to, to contact me through there, and I'd be honored to help you find and create more real love in your life. And as all of my guests seem to say, as we, we talk about all of this, and Mary Beth, you have talked a lot about this too that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself so Amen. that you can, so that you can be the kind of partner that you want to have so that you can be the kind of friend that you want to have so that you can be the kind of, you know, daughter, mother, but you know, colleague that you want to have. It all starts with you. So thank you so much, Mary Beth for, for coming. And I welcome you on any time. My pleasure, Don. It was great to be on the program. All right. Thanks a lot, listeners, for listening. And uh, every day, wake up to, to more real love in your life. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye.